Thanks so much for tuning in to Journeys to Wellness, a podcast focused on sharing and celebrating inspiring stories of transformation, healing, and growth through the use of multiple self-care strategies for overall well-being. I'm your host, Katherine Kennedy. I'm excited to welcome Kate Sarton as our next guest on Wellness Journeys. She's a dreamer, a healer, seeker, observer, and creator, and she's a Renaissance woman with a background that invokes a variety of specialties. In short, she has been a massage therapist for almost 13 years, and her passion is exploring the realms of the mind-body connection. Having experienced her own journey in pain, stress, anxiety, and burnout. She finds great joy in contributing to others so that they can have more ease and joy. Thank you so much again for joining us, Kate. Uh, We're really happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here and chat with you today. Excellent. So could you talk a little bit more about yourself and what you do in the Portland area? Yeah, so I have uh, claimed myself as a gratitude and bliss guide. And what that ultimately means is I support people with all things related to stress, pain, anxiety, burnout, and exhaustion. And the ways that I do that, the ways that I support people are with um, access consciousness bars, which is an energy healing modality, um, with massage, with coaching, with workshops. And I also make um, hand knotted gemstone meditation beads as well. Awesome. It sounds like the whole entire of our society needs things like that. So I'm happy for for people (laughs) like you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's really amazing how um, ubiquitous and insidious stress is. And um, one of the things that I found when I had first started my massage practice um, probably about nine years ago, was I'd have these really amazing sessions with people, but then they were going back out to their same lives and coming back with the same stuff. And so I really started to see how stress was actualizing physically in the body. And I also became aware of how little tools and coping mechanisms that people have. And so then I kind of made it my mission to learn all about it. So that way I can support people in a better way. Yeah, that is is such a truth. Actually, I just lived that truth last week. Uh, <laughs> I've I've been in a bit of a, a stress situation myself with you know taking on more than I can actually handle, and it's kind of a pattern of mine. Uh, so I've been really trying to live uh, the practice of mindfulness and awareness of what. I am doing to myself and, um, you know, what role I play in, in causing myself that stress. And so really trying to reevaluate everything, which is hard to do when it's a serious pattern that you've had for a very long time. Yes. Oh, I thank you so much for sharing that because that is like the truth nugget of (laughs) where, um, my, you know, diving into like being certified in stress management and all of that, what you just spoke to about when something is a pattern for ourselves that we've been um, 
choosing and been imprinted with for a very long time, that is such a core piece to how we create our lives and how we handle the stress in our lives and all of that. Because yes, there is stress always. There's always possibilities of stress from the people we interact with, the jobs that we have, what's happening in the world, what's going on in our bodies. And our choices are really what set the tone for our resiliency and how we're able to like cope and evolve with things. And classic stress management is very, um, well, I say it's very type A. It's like, okay, let's look at your time management and let's identify your stressors and <laughs> let's uh, see which ones you can avoid, which ones you can minimize, which ones you need coping skills for, which ones you need to communicate around. And it's very um, worksheet-based, which to me personally, I'm a creative and that's not fun. <laughs> and for most of the people coming in the door, even if someone is type A, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're excited to do worksheets when it comes to changing their life. And the big, big, big piece that all of that misses with classic stress management is those patterns that we have been carrying out, whether we've been imprinted or we've been choosing them based on our life experiences and how those then become, it, they create a neural pathway, they get locked into our subconscious and they become an autopilot. And maybe at one time they even served us because of a certain situation. But once it becomes an autopilot, we're no longer in consciousness and choice. We're just running our system. And then they perpetuate, just like you spoke to, they perpetuate and we find ourselves going in these cycles. And it's really getting to those limiting beliefs and into the subconscious where, like, the magic and the shifting really happens. And, it, I, and especially for me myself, I didn't experience that until I branched from the classic stress management into the access consciousness tools, which work with energy, which work which work with questions and limiting beliefs and the subconscious. And then I really saw stuff begin to move in my own world in this really fun, really practical and much easier way. And then I started relaying that out to people and I would see their eyes light up and it was like, oh, cool. Yeah, this is it. There's an energetic piece. There's a subconscious piece. And then there's our choosing amid all of the stress of life. It's so true. It's, it's kind of interesting because um, the synchronicities here are kind of crazy. But I was just um, <laughs> going back to reread, uh, if you're familiar with them, Bessel van der Kolk's um, book on the body keeps the score. And, uh, you know, not just trauma, because his book is very much centered on trauma and the research behind it, of people's experience with it. And you're talking about how these things are set in your subconscious and you don't, really don't understand that when you're living your life, how these stresses, how these traumas kind of reappear in your life in different ways. And they, you know, come up and 
I always think about it as like, oh, well, I don't really want to deal with that stress or that trauma right now. So I'm going to shove it under the rug and then I'm going to continue to trip over the rug for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, it's like, so it's like until we <laughs> take the time to deal with those stresses, with those traumas. And yeah, it's a heck of a lot of hard work, but how important that is. And I, I really loved how you mentioned that it's not just about you know, and I, I think about when you when we talk about subconscious um, mind that we also think about like talk therapy. So this is like typically how people go to it. They like I need to seek a counselor. But from what I've heard from many counselors and psychologists, it's not just about the talk therapy anymore. It's also about the idea of energy healing. It's about the idea of um, movement uh, with things like yoga and qigong and, and tai chi and and things that actually get our body moving because it, like you said the the imprinting of our experiences we need to actually move through them because they get trapped in the body and in, in ways that we don't even understand and we're still trying to understand it through trauma research and you know um, I think it's biophysiology that um, that Bessel van der Kolk talks about, as well as neuroscience and neurobiology. It's just really interesting how everything aligns really well with the way that you're talking through what you do uh, on a daily basis with your clients. Yeah, I love this. I love this so much because, yeah, exactly what you're talking about with, and I found this in my own life, so I love to hear that this is rippling out in the talk therapy world, is I found for myself that I'm really great at identifying and at analyzing. So even though I'm a creative, I have a very strong analytical math science brain. And so what I found with my stress management certification, where you go through like all of the identification process, and then you go through relaxation strategies and coping skills, is that I could identify until the cows come home. And I could point to things and be like, yep, yep, I can see all of the stuff but then it still wasn't shifting. And, and I felt like I was hitting my head against a brick wall. Like, why is this not shifting if I can see all of it? <laughs> like, if I am fully aware <laughs> of all of this stuff, why is it not changing? Why am I not choosing something different? Why am I still in the cycle of the pattern where it seems to ease a little bit, but then it comes back around? Because similar to what you talk about, I have a similar pattern where I take on too much and then I go into burnout and exhaustion and then I have to recoup. Um, and it wasn't until I went, identifying can be an amazing part of the puzzle, but it also can be limiting for people who need that extra energetic piece. And so just like you said, it's beyond just identifying, it's going into the energetics from the energetics of the mind, right? So our thoughts are energy and our beliefs are energy and also the energy of the body of where we are storing that stuff. Because especially, I love that you brought up trauma because especially when it comes to trauma, one, if you look at that as an energetic experience, it's super intense. So one, it makes a really big mark just due to the intensity of the experience. And then two, when we look at the processing, when we look at our response to the trauma, because it was so intense, we tend to lock it in because we never, ever want to go through that again. And we're like, I'm never going to forget this. <laughs> and I'm 
and we create this solidity around it, which then becomes solid in our subconscious and then also becomes solid in the body. And then we end up using it subconsciously as a reference point for things. So how often do we overreact to something because it actually triggers a, a, a memory of that trauma, even if they're not related at all? And that's one of the pieces of PTSD when someone gets a moment and they're like, they're not even coherent as to what's actually going on in the moment. It's because this compartmentalized piece is now being triggered because they haven't actually let it go. They haven't actually processed it. They haven't actually digested it. And there are all these different ways now. And for me personally, using the active consciousness bars, which is the energetic body process, using that and using their questions and their energetic clearing statements, those for me have been the quickest and easiest way to shift stuff. And even though it doesn't make logical sense, it moves things because it's working in that quantum energy realm and we're allowing ourselves permission to shift something. So I was actually working on a client yesterday and um, as I was working on her, um, she was sharing a, a thing that was coming up around business where there's another business who the owner is kind of attacking her and um, accusing her of things that aren't actually true. But from that other business owner's point of view, she wholeheartedly believes <laughs> that that's what's going on. And mm. as we're talking about it, I'm also working on this part of the client's body, which is super tight and has layers and layers of things going on. And it suddenly clicked for me. I was like, okay, cool. Would you be willing to let go in your body of all of the times and all of the places that other people have made you wrong in your life. And there was this moment of pause and then there was a deep sigh and a breath and she was like, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> because, yeah, because we do, when we're stressed, even if we look at it scientifically and materially, when we're stressed, we hold our bodies tight. We brace. And so that in itself becomes an autopilot system. So now with the muscle memory, every time that we're stressed, so in her case, every time she's made wrong by someone, her body locks off in a certain area. And now she's got a whole lifetime <laughs> that's locked into there. And those are the places that are just really fascinating to me. Um, I grew up with um, a science dad. He teaches physics and astronomy. And so, like, again, I have this very strong mathematical science side, and a few years ago, if you and I had chatted, while I would have loved the idea of, like, magic and energy, I would not wholeheartedly have believed it. But my journey over the past, well, certainly over the past 13 years, but intensely over the past three years, is starting to see that there is this really interesting place of living in this body, in this reality that isn't wholly explainable yet. And some of the tools for actually being able to play and shift things um, may look a little bit different than we would expect them to because it's not necessarily a cut and dry, okay, do this formula of A plus B equals C and you'll be all set. And that's simply due to the fact that all of our bodies are unique, especially when we look at them in correspondence to the unique life that we each lead. And so the A plus B equals C doesn't fit every single circumstance. So you have to be creative. You have to be, you have to customize for people if you 
actually desire to support them in a holistic way. Yeah, that is so true. And I think the other <laughs> piece of it is that I think we can't boil it down to something that's scientific. So in that regard, we, when we embrace this type of new and uncharted territory, when, you know, getting into this metaphysical side of things, it's, it gets to a place of having to lose control <laughs> over what you think it should be or what, you, you know, very scientific way of thinking, you know? And uh, I think that it's hard to, to come away from that idea of, I know why I'm feeling these things instead of just being in that place of exploration. So I guess in a way, like, um, you had already started to talk a little bit about this, but what made you shift into this space of, of wellness and healing? And if you want to talk about the yoga side of things as well, feel free to do so. I am kind of expanding this more so instead of just yoga journeys that it's going to be wellness journeys. So, so feel free to kind of like take, take the reins and, and talk a little bit about what made you shift three years ago. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Okay. And, and I'm going to take it back further. <laughs> and Perfect. at any point, at any point you can interject. My mom used to say to me when I was a kid, she would say, Kate, short version. <laughs> so All if good. you need to write to me, <laughs> just, just step in and do it. Um, so it's really funny because as a kid, I wholeheartedly believed in magic, believed that the earth was alive and there were like earth spirits, earth entities, and elves, and I would, like, talk to the trees and talk to the animals and the insects. My parents, I remember, they would say, like, you were just outside talking to spiders. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. So, <laughs> as a kid, I had this totally unfiltered connection and belief that there was more here than what meets the eye. And then, Part of what started to change, and I think a lot of people can relate to this in their own story, in their own way, is that inevitably there is this transition that happens around middle school as we're in the preteen years and the teenage years where we become much more cognitively aware of other people's opinions and beliefs. And we've also been around for a certain number of years where we start to hear the same thing over and over from society based on culture and wherever we live of like what's expected and what's normal. And it's really easy for us to start to adopt that as part of our behavior and our belief system at that time. And so for me, while I still personally love the idea of believing in magic and possibility and interconnectedness of things, um, my world was becoming more and more tangible, right? It's like, even just looking at schooling, it was like, okay, now you're in all of the advanced classes, so you've got all of this homework to do. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> it, it started to, to shift in this other way. And then what happened to me, and, and this is what I wanted to share with the yoga piece, is so what happened to me is I kind of continued on that piece of the journey of things getting really tangible, of really seeing the um, effects and going along with other people's opinions and beliefs. And so I found myself my junior year of high school, and I was really not happy. And like the way that I would describe it is hollow. I felt hollow. And I, my guess would be 
99% of the people who knew me or looked at me would not have known that and would never guess that, that that was my experience. Because in the tangible world, on paper, everything looked awesome. I was, you know, straight-A student in the top 10% of the class. I played soccer. I played softball. I was, um, you know, did theater, was part of the environmental club. I had a job. Like, I was doing all of the quote-unquote right things. I was engaged. I was participating. I was on paper doing really well. And I had lots of friends and lots of different groups. I was even on, like, homecoming court. Like, literally, like, if you want to check all the boxes, they were all checked. And I just remember there were a couple things that were happening junior year. One was the college application process. And one, I had no idea what I really wanted to do. And part of it was just I had all these different skills and interests, and I had no idea how to pick one. And that's what, to me, what college felt like. It's like, okay, you have to decide your life now. (laughs) And that was really not fun. And the other piece (laughs) of the college application process was that my general ideas of what I thought would be fun for college did not match my parents' ideas of what they would really like the college to look like for me to support me on my education journey. So not only was I confused on what path to take when it came to a degree, but then I didn't even know where to go because I felt like if I chose what my parents wanted, it wasn't going to be right. But if I chose what I wanted, they weren't going to be on board with it, et cetera. And so there was this intense amount of stress, and there was also this intense, um, I'll also call it burnout, hollow feeling of just like, I'm doing all the stuff and I'm not happy. So like, what is this, right? What are we supposed to do here in this life if I'm doing all the right things and I still don't really have, like, exuberance and joy? (laughs) Like, what is this? That was just really concerning to me. And I, you know, if you had asked me at the time, I wouldn't have had the 2020, you know, looking back on it to have all these words for it. But now I can identify what what those pieces were. And so, The two pieces that began to shift that was, one, my mom booked me a massage. (laughs) Awesome. And two, yeah, and two, I quit sports and I found a yoga class. Now, at this time, so I'm 35, going to be 36. And so at this time, it's almost not quite 20 years ago, especially in the area that I grew up in, yoga was not mainstream at all like it was it was not happening and I knew nothing about it and once I had quit sports I was like well my body really does enjoy to move it just didn't enjoy the pressures of competitive sports it didn't enjoy the politics of competitive sports and so I was looking for something else and I think where I found the yoga class was like an adult ed pamphlet you know and I was like oh that sounds kind of cool And so I signed up for it, and I think there were three other women in the class who were in their 50s and then me. (laughs) And what was so beautiful about it was that it wasn't about anybody else. It was all about the body-mind connection, communicating with my body, seeing what awareness and experience came up with each pose. And it I just remember the whole 
experience being so yummy. And I was like, I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't even know that that was available because, again, growing up, what was mainstream for using your body was competitive sports. And so that's the only comparison and reference point that I had. And so that piece of yoga, one, it was such a gift at such the right time. And it really planted the seed about the body-mind connection and um, a communication with the body that I use now. Like, I literally talk to my body. I'm like, okay, body, what do you desire or require today? And what would you like to eat right now? And having it be this organic communication instead of a formula or instead of taking somebody else's idea of what my health and wellness should look like. And that class at that time in my life really planted the seed and opened up a possibility that I didn't know was available. And at the same time, I also had my massage session. And um, I don't know if it was because I was young or if the woman picked up on something in me, but she really... Obviously, the session itself was very nurturing, and I was super stressed out, so that was awesome. Um, but she also really went out of her way to share with me um, the reflexology points. She sent me home with a little chart and like gave me some self-care stuff. And again, that also planted the seed that I didn't move back around and actually follow through on massage school for probably maybe five or seven years after that. But it really planted this seed again of like almost the permission that each body in life is unique and it's your choice and your choosing of how you take care of that body and your life. And so that, that really, if I like pinpoint a time, it's that time and those two things that started this journey and given me permission almost to loop back around to who I was as a kid and just didn't have the tools of how to maintain that as a young adult and an, and an adult. But then, um, you know, I already shared a lot of my stress management uh, journey where, you know, I went after that certification because of the gap I was seeing between a session and then people going into their lives. And then, so I did that and I was super psyched about it. But then again, as I said, the methods of toxic stress management are not really fun <laughs> and not, you know, not sexy, not attractive. Like people aren't lining up to do time management. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in my own world, again, I had all of this identification and all of these tools at my disposal. And I still had probably two or three big pillars in my life that I could not seem to shift when it came to stress or out creating a pattern. And then about three years ago, um, I was actually taking a break from the stress management and the massage. And um, I was involved with a fair trade jewelry company, which is super beautiful. I'll give them a shout out, Threads Worldwide. Um, they work with women all around the world um, with the idea of when women work together and empower each other, it changes the world. And so I was working with them. And someone happened to mention Access Consciousness and was like, hey, I follow so-and-so, and this is their Facebook page. She was um, The woman who mentioned it was one of our trainers and did a lot of the business training. And she was like, I've just gotten so much out of it. So if anybody else is curious, go check it out. And, um, and so I did. And the first couple of videos that I saw of this woman 
I thought she was crazy. Like, I legitimately was like, what is she talking about? And there is no possible (laughs) way that that could work. (laughs) Because she would do like a two-minute video and just give a question as the homework or the home play for someone to go and play with and say, play with this question and see if anything shifts. And there was part of me that was resisting, I think, because I had already done so much training and already had so many tools and was like, it couldn't be that easy. Like, I've just spent years of my life (laughs) devoted to all of these other things. And so I set out to try those tools, um, honestly, to prove them wrong. I was like, okay. I'll take your challenge and I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> this doesn't work. <laughs> there's, That's awesome. there's no way asking a question is going to change my subconscious and my reality. And, um, but then they did and the questions would change stuff. And I knew it wasn't the placebo effect because I was so adamant about proving them wrong. And I was like, Whoa, what is this? And then I found myself tuning in every week to see what she was talking about that week. And, um, and so she just kind of sparked an investigation into this. And then maybe almost, maybe almost six months in, after I'd heard about the active consciousness bars a few times, I was like, okay, I'll go check out the bars. I can add this to my toolkit and offer it as sessions. It mixes in with what I do. And um, I went and took my workshop with this really sweet woman, Karen, who Karen made. And that, to me, was like the ultimate missing piece of the puzzle. Because the experience, and this is my point of view, of course, and everybody's going to have their own unique experience with it. But from my point of view, a bar session is like meditation on the table. But the person doesn't even have to do anything. (laughs) They don't have to try. They don't have to focus. They can talk the whole time. They can fall asleep. Like, there's no wrong way to do it. And by plugging in to these points on the head, there's 32 points on the head that we use, they are releasing whatever they are ready to release. And when they get up off the table, one, they've already created change. And then two, as they reintegrate into their life, the things that they've shifted, it starts to ripple out. And um, I call it unexpected shifting. Like unexpected things will show up in your world that, you didn't realize we're connected to something. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that coworker who usually really annoys me, I'm not triggered by them anymore. Cool. <laughs> and, like, and all of a sudden you start to become aware because you get this proof in your world that something beyond just your experience on the table, that something else bigger has shifted. And then once people start playing with that, they can't, they can't really get enough of it. They're like, well, now what else is possible? And it's as easy as that. Um, and so I just adore, I adore doing bar sessions. I've made it mandatory now that if someone comes to see me for massage, that we do a bliss package where they get massage and then we finish off with a bar session. Um, because I know if we're not addressing the energy, I'm actually doing a disservice to them. And, um, and now I'm doing more and more with, a, with facilitation and workshops. So I'm a bar facilitator. I can also teach it to people. Um, and I love doing coaching and workshops because, again, it starts to explore this other space that you don't necessarily have all the time to get to when you do a table session. Um, so that is, you know, <laughs> that is the long, the long journey of all of it. 
I feel like one of the themes that kind of goes through your story was the idea of giving yourself choice and permission, which I love, on how best to take care of yourself and that idea of whatever you're ready to let go of. Um, I've seen this meme over and over again on Facebook. It's like, you know, I'm a healer, but when you come to me, I'm just giving you the tools to heal yourself type of, (laughs) you know, type of situation. Um, And really, really having them take control of and be aware of those choices that they're making and the permission that they're giving themselves to one self-care without selfishness, (laughs) you know, and then also just that idea of the awareness of, of what, what is holding you back. And I, I also love going back to what you were talking about competitive sports. So I was an avid runner and swimmer in high school and, you know, as much movement, obviously there was a lot of movement because I was a long distance swimmer and runner. So (laughs) it was like, kind of like felt like I was running away from things or swimming away from things, you know, trying to get away from them. And and how quickly, um, you know, it was competitive, but I was really more competitive with myself in those sports. And what I find interesting about your story that aligns really well with me is that I did not have body mind awareness then. And, um, you know, you're doing things, there's a disconnect, there's a hollow, I am like bringing out the words that you mentioned. Um, And then also, doing all the things that society expects you to do rather than what you yourself wants to choose to do if you had that opportunity to do so. And so um, those are the kinds of things like as you were talking, it was just like, yes, yes, this aligns really well (laughs) with like all of the things that, that I've experienced. And, um, and it's just, it's, it's nice to hear that somebody else has also, had that experience and also has had that time to reflect on what that meant to them, you know, and what that meant to you uh, in particular with regard to not really having a full sense of, of being in it and, and that, that body mind um, awareness as you were in those competitive sports, it's a different way of, being when you're in those spaces as compared to these more mind body connective type um, modalities and strategies of self-care yeah exactly it's it's such an interesting space and and i will say for anyone who's listening to this that um, you are still in competitive uh, athletics awesome all of the power to you and what can you choose outside or in um, uh, like complementary to your training to have that body-mind awareness? Because on different days, your body is going to require different things. We've all, for anyone who's done sports or, um, you know, even just weight training, you have days where you're like, oh, my body is so tight right now. (laughs) (laughs) And on those days, your body requires something a little bit different. You might need a little extra stretching. You might need some heat. You might need more potassium. Like there's all of these different pieces. And just like you said, when you come at it from a space of curiosity and awareness with your body, it just creates so much more ease than if you go in. um, There's almost, 
there's like a piece about having blinders up. So like a lot of times when you go into competitive sports, like I remember with softball, we would just throw the ball hundreds of times within, <laughs> within a practice. And yes, of course you want accuracy. Of course you want your muscles stronger and all of that. And if you're not balancing that out with the what wear and tear that's going to do on your muscle, then of course it's going to lead to a shoulder uh, injury. Of course that's going to end up having negative effects. So it's not to say that, you know, competitive sports are wrong and they have no place, but it's the, the general, <laughs> the general um, tone of competitive sports is almost like nose to the grindstone, like get it done, work as hard as you can, push through, don't wimp out. And what like nurturing can we um, weave in with that? So that way, because a lot of people who do competitive sports, especially if we look at pro athletes, they don't want to have a three-year career, right? Especially if they're making good money on it. They want to have as long of a career as possible. So what can we weave in with that to make it more enjoyable, to have more ease, to have longer endurance? Um, it's that piece of it. And then we can use that metaphor all throughout our lives. We can use that metaphor with stress. Yeah, stress is totally a part of life. And even a tiny bit of stress can actually be good because it motivates us to create and to choose something. Something can get so bad and then we're like, okay, enough of this. I'm not having this anymore. I am choosing differently. <laughs> but that's different than when our stress response is on 24-7 and our immune system is suppressed, our heart is overwhelmed, our digestive issues are now coming up because our body is all out of whack because we're not balancing things out and asking the questions of how we can have more ease, how we can take care of ourselves. And I love what you said because ultimately what a lot of this rolls into is just what you said about self-care and selfishness is we are imprinted from a very early age to, you know, look at the greater good, to put other people first, and um, and selfishness is selfishness and is a bad thing. Now, the, the, the piece that I will say about this is if usually when we are choosing unkindness or meanness or blatant jerk, we know that that's what we are doing. <laughs> it's pretty rare that we do something and are completely oblivious that it has, a, you know, a non-generative outcome to other people. So let's just call that what it is. And then the other piece of the puzzle is really this imprinting of putting other people first, the double-edged sword of it is we end up neglecting ourselves so much that we actually can't give as much as we could. We're, we've diminished our potency and our power because now we're in pain or now we're so exhausted. And one of the words that I use a lot with my business is radiance is, you know, we all have this light and this energy and radiance and capacity for joy and exuberance. And, you know, what's popular right now is like hashtag adulting is that a lot of the... <laughs> um, <laughs> A lot of the responsibilities and activities and things we have to pay attention to as adults are not classically fun, right? It's looking at bills and it's looking at responsibilities from work to family, et cetera. And as we put all of that first 
all of the time, each time that we choose that, we're actually dimming our light and dimming our radiance. And then we do that for so long that inevitably not only do people get burnt out and exhausted, but so many people don't even know who they are anymore because they're so used to putting other people first, even if it's just other people's expectations and opinions, that they, they're, they've lost touch with their joy. They've lost touch with their body. They don't have, they're not fully aware of even what their interests are because they've just been doing what their partner enjoys or what their friends enjoys or what's being offered in the area. And when we actually start choosing for ourselves, from that place of curiosity and from that place of self-love, now we get to show up exponentially greater for other people. And so for me, self-care is the least selfish thing. If we were all taking care of ourselves, what would this world look like? Oh, a bird just landed when I said that. We have a bird friend. That's awesome. (laughs) He's joining Um, the conversation. (laughs) Yeah, the bird agrees. You have it there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what I used to say, when I first went into massage school, I used to say to people that my plan for world peace was for everybody to get a massage every week. Because if we all had massage every single week, our bodies would feel better. We would get sick less often. We would be less stressed out, which means we would be less reactionary and less emotional. And it would, it would ripple out in this really magnificent way. And that's the same way that I see self-care is if we are actually choosing for ourselves, if we are actually choosing what I love to do, actually, and I know I'm interrupting myself, but I like to stretch people a little bit and say beyond self-care to adoring yourself like flat out adoring yourself. And that can stretch people because they get nervous about narcissism. And they're like, I don't want to be, (laughs) I don't want to be a narcissist. But there is this piece of like, it's so easy to adore someone else that you love. So whether it's a kid or a partner or a best friend or a family member or even a pet, where you just adore them and you desire the best for them and you would never expect them to run themselves ragged for other people. You would never have these expectations of these people and animals that you adore, but then we don't do that for ourselves. And so my challenge for people is what would you actually choose? Who would you actually be in the world if you adored yourself? And then how would that ripple out? Because the greatest thing that we can do for other people is to choose for ourselves because then other people see that it's possible for them to choose for It's like, I didn't know yoga was a possibility until there was a yoga teacher doing it. And then I got to see it and experience it and say, oh, this is possible. (laughs) I didn't even know. (laughs) Right, right. So I I love that idea of um, you mentioned like diminishing our power. We're diminishing our power by not choosing to take care of ourselves and um, there's something that I love to say at the end of of my yoga classes and a lot of the other things that I do and um, you know fill your own cups first so that you can fill the cups of others and that idea of you can't pour from an empty cup you know um, when we're we're constantly serving others and it's it's awesome that we have this capacity to serve others but at some point in time and I've seen this over and over again 
in the work that I do with wellness for educators is that there tends to be a, a growing source of resentment when we're constantly giving and not receiving and in not allowing ourselves to receive, giving ourselves yep. permission to receive. <laughs> you know, it's like, yep. and again, that idea of selfishness and it's like, no, like this is what you need in order to replenish yourself so that you can fully be there for other people in a way that's meaningful and not resentful. Um, I, I do think that that is, is a wicked important part. I think we are just about at the time to wrap up. Is there anything else that you haven't mentioned that you would like to mention? And is there anything that you want to kind of plug for the work that you do with your clients? Okay, awesome. So the word that popped up um, when we were just talking about self-care um, and you were talking about filling up your cup and then you can fill up others, the word that popped up for me is this word contribution. And this word has been rocking my world lately. And part of it is just a micro shift on the definition of contribution. So with active consciousness, the word contribution means a simultaneous gifting and receiving. And this to me like I said, it's rocking my world because when I look at, if I'm living my life from contribution, it's now looking at this overall flow of gifting and receiving. Because if, like you said, if I'm not filling up myself, I have so much less to give. So every time I go to choose something, whether it's coffee dates with a friend, if it's an idea for my business, if it's self-care for my body, if I'm coming at it from this lens of contribution, I'm able to see almost in real time how the ripples will go out. And it's just, it's made my choices when I'm picking things, it's made it um, so much yummier and like heartfelt. Um, so I just want to share that piece of like, when you are choosing, are you willing to acknowledge the contribution you see and that your choices are that ripple effect of the contribution that you see just by being here in a body in this lifetime and how much fun, um, how much joy, how much ease you have with that. Um, and then let's see, for plugging stuff for my business, um, I, if there are any teachers and educators listening, um, on the 28th of this month, there is a conference in Wyndham um, and I'll be doing a self-care workshop there at 11 a.m. Um, so I'll definitely get the information to you on that in case anybody is attending and wants to sign up for it. Um, and then on the end of like private practice and all of that, I just, you know, if you are curious uh, to learn more about really easy tools and tips to integrate into your life, like if you're just feeling like you're in transition, or a little bit lost and just like you don't have a grasp on how to have ease, <laughs> um, please reach out um, for a coaching session or a table session. Table sessions, whether it's massage and bars or it's just bars, are really great for um, moving the energy of what's going on in your body. So especially if you have stuff coming up around pain um, and exhaustion, 
said, I'm a huge proponent of table sessions for that. If what's coming up for you is really stress, anxiety, um, even PTSD and burnout and exhaustion, I'm a huge proponent for the bars for that. Uh, sometimes when people are going it through anxiety stuff, they don't like to be touched as much as you would be in a massage. So I find the bars are a much gentler, uh, less invasive <laughs> amount of space that also creates change. Um, and I just, I really adore having conversations with people. Customized one-on-one -on -one coaching is so beautiful because you really get to dig in. You really get to dig into like the details of someone, what's showing up in someone's life and what's showing up in their body. And you also get um, to dig in to like the stories and beliefs that they're telling themselves because everybody has a slightly different version. Or even if somebody is telling themselves the same story as somebody else, they're going to have totally different reference points of where that story began. And so when you get into coaching, you're able to just um, really fine-tune and customize in this really yummy experience and clear stuff way that just creates space so that way you can choose and you're not just running on autopilot anymore. Um, and then, yeah, if anyone's ever interested in getting a group of friends together to do a workshop, because there's something really beautiful when people who care about each other gather together for a workshop. Um, I always love creating custom workshops for a small group of people, too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate your contribution to sharing your wellness journeys uh, with us. And I hope that we can continue this conversation as your, your work shifts and you find other um, nuanced pieces that you'd like to share with the, the greater community. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a lovely conversation. I had so much fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Journeys to Wellness, inspiring stories of transformation, growth, and healing. We'll have another episode ready for you soon, but until then, I hope you have a wonderful day.